Merry Christmas, y'all. All right, so we heard how New York said it over here, Nina, but your partner right next to you, she's from Southern California. Let's have Southern Californian says y'all. Give us a... Oh, from the, oh, so a, a New Jersey, San Diego, y'all. All right, that makes a difference. Go ahead. Y'all. Y'all. Okay, y'all. Like a boat, right? Y'all. All right, very good. It's all good. I am so grateful to pastor a church. We got people from all over the world, any given time, man. And you know what brings us all together is the spirit of Christ, man, and that's cool. Hey, um, how many of y'all missed 2017? Dude, you know what I was doing? I was at Walmart buying rolls, some of them king rolls, you know, for some... For, for tomorrow, and I'm looking at the dates, and I'm seeing like 2018 on there, and I'm like, dude, no, 18, what? How did that happen? And how many of y'all would agree that the older you get, the faster time flies by? You guys seeing that now? Man, I was sitting here thinking, I think about our paddle tour and different paddle tours we take, and how, you know what, when we're born, we're kind of back in the back country. We're born back in the back country in a little mangrove swamp. Uh, back on a little sandbar, kind of isolated with the mangroves, and everything's nice and calm and chill, and, and we're just, you know, hanging out with the, with the fiddler crabs and the, you know, hermit crabs and the little fishies, everything back in there, and life's kind of chill. Life's chill for you guys right now, right? You got any cares in the world, man? Oh, yeah, you got your mom for homeschool. I forgot. Anyways, other kids? No, that's a good kid. You are tough, girl, but man... You know, you're just chilling, you got nothing going on, and then all of a sudden, man, you start getting to be an older kid, approaching teen years, and all of a sudden, the current starts sucking a little bit, and the current starts taking you down these, uh, down the jungle trails. Anybody been down the jungle trails with me before? Jungle trails, a little adventurous, right? And the current starts getting a little more, and some of you, Carla, are better at finding crabs in the trees than others, and, uh, you know, so, so you're cruising through, and, and you got a little more current going, and you think you know everything, right? Isn't that right, Zane? Teenagers, when you were a teenager, you thought you knew everything, right? And, and here you are, I know how to do this, I can do this. And, and all of a sudden now, man, by the time you're getting ready to go to college, graduate, and you know you know everything, right? Isn't that right, Emily? No? You're, that's why you're the smartest of all our kids in that. <laughs> Matt, you're second. Where's Ashley at? Yeah, all right. <laughs> anyways, that's why I said it. No. But anyways, man, you know, so life starts, get, the current starts blowing a little faster, man. And then all of a sudden, Jack and, uh, Jack and Diane, Jack and Destiny, man, you guys are married, right? All of a sudden, then next, you're married, now you have kids. And you got a house, you got all this. So all of a sudden, you move from the backcountry into the jungle trails. The current's taking you a little faster. All of a sudden, you get into the boat channel, and you're just kind of still digging it. And how many of you remember when you hit the inlet with a full go outgoing tide, and life just started blowing straight out to sea? Yeah. Dad and Natalie, you were telling me about adulting, right? She's like, dang, I'm not even supposed to be an adult yet. And I'm, she's adulting, you know. And, and so she has just left the cove on an outgoing tide, and it is getting ready to suck her out to sea. How many of y'all are sucked out to sea? In the, you're in, that, in the inlet right now, man, and you're just going with the flow because you don't even know what's next. And you know what happens, man? You get going, you get going, and then all of a sudden you get sucked out to sea and life's over. That's not really what's supposed to happen with us, but that's what happens to a lot of people in this world. They just kind of get sucked out to see and life's over. And that was it. They missed it. But then some people, dude, they kind of get a little bit more out of it. 
you know, as they're starting to feel the currents going, man, they find a career, you know? And they're like, all right, I got something to float on now, a career. Or they find a relationship, you know? And they're like, oh yeah, me and you, we're doing it this whole way through. You know, they, they get a degree and, and, and here they are and they get going. Or, you know what a lot of people in the world do? They go ahead and they get a religion. They get a religion. Hey, don't take it personal if I hit you with one of these or, you know, gave it to you on that. But, you know, we all find something to kind of float on. Hey, you know, that's my wife. The first time I ever threw something at her, not, not you know, just kind of tossed her something. <laughs> not threw something, you know, but first time I ever tossed her something when we were dating, she'd like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, you're supposed to try to catch it. <laughs> but uh, I just saw that. Yeah, it got Matt behind you right there. All right. She didn't need to catch stuff. I could do that for her. But the point is, is that we keep trying to find something, a job, a religion, man, uh, a, a career. Uh, uh, how about, oh, wait, 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 we got hobbies, right? Okay, we got hobbies. And hobbies, man, oh, since hobbies here, man, here we go. We got hobbies, all right? And we've got all kinds of stuff that we chase after. And, and all our life, man, we're floating in that, and that keeps us going. It, you know, wherever you get it, you might get it when you're young, you might get it when you're old, and it keeps you going, and now you got a purpose, you got something to do in life, and it's like, yeah, man, I'm going. But then, even with this floating you, you get sucked out to sea, and eventually, this isn't going to work because, man, there's going to be storms, it's going to disintegrate, man, the seagulls are going to peck holes, and it's going to sink, I mean, something's going to happen, and bottom line is you just end up, and all of a sudden... Vanity is vanity, and there's the end of life. And so, man, what a sad ending. But Christmas brings a much better ending to us. Christmas is awesome because Christmas means it doesn't have to end with you treading water the whole way out to sea, getting, you know, where you start in the mangroves and you get sucked out to sea, and that's all there is with life. Christmas means you don't have to, you know, start getting sucked out to sea and at some point find a purpose or what you think is a purpose, and then just get sucked out to life, and that's all there is. Christmas gives you something much more than that. Christmas gave us the ability to, basically, we're going to go through the same stuff. We're going to not just have religion, man, but instead, because of Christmas, and I'm going to show you this out of John chapter 3, that we get this life raft called Christ. How many of y'all got this life raft called Christ, man? And dude, when you put this bad boy on... So if you want to put this on, just going to mess your hair up. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Put that one on. Just keep it on there. All right, good. So you're in charge. Yeah, you might want to strap it. No, I think we're good. But you put this life raft on that's called Christ. Hey, dude, what's the difference between the one I threw out there and the one you're wearing? It's got a rope that God's holding. So you're not just getting sucked out to sea, floating, waiting to end there. You know what? When you get sucked out to sea and it's at the end, you just die out to sea like everybody else. No, dude, you got a God that's snatching you to heaven. He's snatching you to heaven, man. He's taking you to a place where you're going to live forever with him. Okay, go back and sit down. And just, but keep this on, though, okay? That's the difference. That's what we have when we are what the Bible calls born again. We're not just out floating on our own with some kind of goal we had. You know what midlife crisis is, man? That's where the float we have no longer is good enough. 
we got to change and get a better one, a different color one, another one. And we put it on thinking it's going to satisfy us, but it doesn't. The only thing that satisfies us is Christ. Man, uh, there was a guy named Pascal, and uh, don't ask me what he did. I think he was a philosopher or something, but he had a wise statement. He said, every person has a God-shaped vacuum in their heart. And he said, we try to fill that God-shaped vacuum with so many different things, but the only thing that will fill it is God. And that's what we got at Christmas, man. And so we're not just floating around. Hey, Sophie, guess what, man? If all of a sudden you're coming out of the boat channel and there's a boat coming, God's like, hey, come here, Sophie. And you're like, what? I'm on all your drugs. And then all of a sudden you see the boat go, whoom. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Anybody ever been there? God yanked you out of the way of something and you didn't like it when it's happening? Same thing. He's like, all right, go ahead, Sophie, float. Go ahead and float back to your seat. He's like, you're floating too fast. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. He did. Anybody think God's not letting you float fast enough ever? He's not moving fast enough for you? There it is. Keep moving. Keep moving. I'll let you know when you're going too slow. Wait, don't sit down yet. There's someone in the seat. Okay, go ahead. Sit down now. It's all good. All right, cool. But isn't it awesome to know that we've got God at the reins, God at the helm, God at the control of our lives when we surrender ourselves to him? Dude, isn't that awesome? I'm not the final answer because my answers are so wrong, and that is a good thing. But, man, as long as he's at the control, it's good. So we're going to uh, look at John chapter 3, the first 18 verses, Terry. It won't take us long, man. You know, <laughs> I always pick on Terry because he never picks on me or messes with me. But he did the first time he ever came. What was that mean you sent me? And I, and I took it personal. He's like, no, don't take it personal. Now he's like, take it personal. But what was it? Fine line between a hostage situation and a long sermon. Yeah. <laughs> a fine line now. You guys, hey, if I ever cross that line, y'all go, <clears throat> all right? Let me hear y'all do that. <clears throat> okay, so if I, if I ever cross that fine line, ever, I know I haven't come close yet, but if I ever cross it, man, y'all just let me know, all right? So check this out, man. The whole world, man, I want you to understand, the whole world is getting sucked out to sea. But Jesus came to rescue us. The whole world is, is just getting sucked out to sea aimlessly and per, without a purpose, without a plan. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, dude, he had every party, every education, every, he had every, everything anyone could ever want. And he said, man, it's all vanity. It's like a bubble. It's like a soap bubble. Uh, I shared that with you guys out on the sandbar the other day. But, man, how many of y'all ever chased soap bubbles? Jack, did you chase soap bubbles when you were a kid? You were probably good at it, too, weren't you? Because you got them long arms. Did you run into trees and curbs and stuff because you were focused on that bubble? Yeah. Did you ever catch any? Yeah. And, and did you ever catch it and then bring it home and put it in your little... How many of y'all brought it home and put it in your bubble nurturing cage? And you've been feeding it glycerin and lemon joy and, you know, a little bit of Dawn and palm olive. You've been keeping it going. Anybody? And you got that bubble cage and you still have your bubble you caught as a kid. Anybody? You don't have a bubble you cause a kid. What happened to your bubble, Sarah? I had a Catholic soap bubble. <laughs> yeah, what happens to our bubbles, guys? It pops. And that's the same way when we chase after this stuff without it being connected to Christ. <laughs> that's the same way. I'll teach you to sleep. Yeah, I saw you talking, man. <laughs> there ain't no denying you weren't paying attention, all right? Because you would have seen that coming. I'm messing with you, all right? So... I love you, Jack. I know. I don't care what you're doing. It was all good. It was your wife. She was, she was distracting you. And that's good. Never let your wife stop distracting you, man. Always. 
It's good. So anyways, every time we chase something that's not of God, that's what happens, man. We're just floating out there, and it's a bubble, and it's going to be meaningless. And Solomon, go read the book of Ecclesiastes if you think you got a bubble worth chasing. The only, pub, only thing we're chasing is Christ. And so he says the whole world, the Bible teaches us, the whole world was getting sucked out to sea, but Jesus came to rescue us. Now, I'm going to bust through this pretty quick, and there's other times where we can go in a lot more depth in here, but I promise I'm going to share with you what the Holy Spirit wants me to share with you in this, because that's what you need to hear. I don't know who he brought here, but he knows who he brought here. He brought you, and he knows what's in your heart. So it goes into, I want you to see the final, almost final verse in all of this. It says, in the end of John chapter, middle of, end of John chapter 3, it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It wasn't like God sent Jesus and said, okay, now here's a sacrifice, and you know what, you accept him, or you don't accept him, now you're going, you're going to hell if you don't. It wasn't like God just threw something out there now and said, accept him and go to heaven, or don't accept him and go to hell. That was not the issue. The issue is the whole world was getting sucked out to sea because of your sin. We were all getting sucked out there to an eternal destiny in hell. And that's where we go, and we needed someone to come and rescue us. It says God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. That wasn't his purpose. We were already condemned, according to verse 18. It says, but that the world through him might be, what's that word? Saved. Saved, Saved from being sucked out to sea. Dude, you're drowning, and you're being sucked out to sea, and you realize you're drowning. How many of y'all would love somebody to toss you this? How many of you love to have somebody just toss you one of those? And say, all right, here you go. Here's some rules. Go ahead and float around. Good luck. <laughs> we'll see you in England. Well, maybe North Carolina. Depends how the Gulf Stream goes. Boy, I hope they get you up in Boston. You know, but that's what most religions do. Most religions, most philosophies, most things like that are going to toss you nothing more than a life raft. And you're going to float out there and still have to do it in your own energy. But the difference when you give your life to Christ is God's holding the rope. God's holding the control. God's holding it. And that's why it takes us surrendering ourselves to him to be born again. It says, man, so God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So let's take a look real super quick. It says, now this is the story that started all of that. It says in John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And the reason God uses this story is because if anyone was ever thinking they could jump through enough religious hoops... They could do enough righteous, good things to get to heaven. He's going to show you you're wrong. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's by putting on Christ and letting God bring you there. There's only one way. That's what Christmas is about. So this man of the Pharisees, Pharisees were a religious group. They were kind of businessmen of the day, but they were so amped and so uh, focused on their purpose of keeping everything Jewish. These guys knew the word. They had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. How many of y'all got the first five books of the Bible memorized? Hey, Carl, dude, we're not even through book four yet. Numbers, and we've been at this a long time in, in our small group, right? And, and we learned, how much have you learned? Dude, man, but we don't have it memorized. I'm learning. Wait till we get to Deuteronomy. When we get Deuteronomy, think about these guys memorizing Deuteronomy, dude. That's a feat in itself. These guys memorized the first five books of the Bible. And this guy, uh, they fasted three times a week, and that wasn't because they ate sweets and meats and they needed some vegetables. It was that they, they, they need to lose weight. It was like they fasted. They did all the religious things. They were in church all the time. They tied the mess of their income all the time. They were doing all the religious deeds. And this guy, Nicodemus, 
He was even more special because he was a religious leader. He was part of the Sanhedrin, part of the ruling council. So nobody in this room, especially me, can even come close to touching who Nicodemus was in the religious world. That's not what it was about. It says this man, Nicodemus, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him. Now, there's a lot made about him coming by night. One is that a lot of Pharisees, Sadducees and stuff weren't really, they were opposed to Jesus. But he saw something a little different, and there was a group of them that saw something different. So he might have come at night not to be recognized. He might have come at night because that was the only time he could make it fit in his schedule. How many of y'all can only make it fit in your schedule at night? You know what I'm saying? That's it. So bottom line is he came to Jesus by night, and he said, Rabbi. Now, check this out. When he said Rabbi, he's saying, Teacher, dude, what seminary did Jesus go to? Did Jesus go to any rabbinical schools? I mean, to be called rabbi, he had to go to the most prominent schools there. So this guy's giving Jesus a compliment. He said, I know you're this backwoods hick from Nazareth, but dude, you got something going on here. He's like, man, you know the scripture. You know something happening here. And he said, no, you weren't in, under any of our teachers. But he says, we know that you're a teacher that's come from what? Uh, yeah. What a compliment on his terms. He's, I mean, he's this high religious guy, come this podunk guy, Jesus, from Nazareth, saying, hey, I'm going to give you a little bit of credibility and tell you, I, I recognize that you are from coming from God. And he says, no one can do these signs that you do unless he's with them. So he's looking at himself as almost an equal with Jesus because their religion, their relationship with God purely, was purely academic. And it was purely an outward show. It was nothing inward motivating them other than pride and trying to dot the I's and cross the T's or jots and tittles, as you will, in the Old Testament. So he said, man, no one can do these things unless God's with them. So they recognize God's presence. And it was him and a group of other Pharisees at this point. And so he goes on. And so, so Jesus answers a question that Nicodemus didn't answer. Jesus came back to the day. Jesus looked into his heart and saw there was a, a, what needed to really happen. And he said, Jesus answered me, said, most assuredly, or amen, amen, or you better believe it. He says, I say to you, unless one is what? Born? You cannot see the kingdom of God. Hey, let me ask you a question. As a kid, you're playing kickball or you did something like, anybody play kickball when you were a kid? Did you ever go and you kicked the ball and it just went out and you're like, what do you say as a kid? Do over. Anybody ever say do over? What does again mean? Do-over. How many of y'all like do-overs in life? You'd like to have a do-over. Do-over. How many wake up next morning like do-over? Okay. But that's literally what this born again means is I want to do this a, a different way. Jesus is like, unless you have a do-over in how you're born, you ain't going to see heaven. In other words, your first birth and the life you've been living as religious as it is. And I know, Nicodemus, man, you have been trained. You have poured your heart and soul into this religious system. You have given everything, even as best as you know how to, to God. He said, but what you're doing is worthless. It's like Solomon's soap bubble. That's what he said when you have to be born again. What you've done so far is not working, and it's never going to work, Nicodemus. I'm introducing to you the kingdom of heaven. This is not the way. That's why you have to be born again a different way. You need to do over. And unless you do that, he says, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. You're not even going to get close to it because it's not a physical thing. 
It's not something that you can do because you tithe, something you can do because you can quote every scripture in the Bible. It's not something you can do because you fast all the time. It's not something you can do because you have these boxes on your head that represent scripture that you know. It's not something you can do in the flesh. And so for somebody whose religion was totally dependent on what they could do in the flesh, that's quite a shot. That's quite a discouraging thing for them. And so they continue this conversation, and Nicodemus said, okay, how can a man be born when he's old? He's going with the analogy. He's not really thinking he's got to crawl back up in his mom. He says, he can, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And, and, and in other words, he's not really thinking that's the way to go, but he's just kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm rolling with your analogy, Jesus. What does this mean? Look, we've done everything the Old Testament's been telling us to do. And what Jesus was saying, yeah, but you didn't do it perfectly. In order to earn your way to heaven, you've got to be perfect. Anybody here perfect? Raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you're not perfect anymore. You just lied. <laughs> yeah, we're not perfect. And that's what's expected if you're going to get in on your own merits. So he goes on and says, man, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. I just don't understand. So Jesus sits down and says, man, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter. Not only can you not see, but you can't get into the kingdom unless you're born spiritually. Now, this water and spirit can mean a couple of different things in the context. Uh, what, what I look at mostly in this in light of the next verse is, you know, this water, this word water is the word horador. And it's a, it's a word referring to a woman's uh, water breaking at pregnancy. I mean, at, at childbirth. And so, you know, it could mean that you have to be born of the flesh and be born of the spirit or you can't enter heaven. Uh, also, water could symbolize spiritual cleaning. It could symbolize there's a lot of different things and people argue even it means you got to be baptized. No, it doesn't mean any of that. You're missing it. The important, the most important part of this whole thing. And I'm not making any part of the word of God insignificant. But the most important thing is that unless you're born of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be born of the spirit to enter something spiritual. And so he goes on and he said that which is born is of the flesh is flesh. That's all flesh can do. If you're born. Hey, Jack, if you're born Barracuda, man, what can you do? Yeah, swim. Barracuda, dude. You could do all the Barracuda things. Can you do human things? No. Hey, if you're born a lobster, Terry, what can you do? What kind of things? Lobster things, right? Yeah, dude, you can have eggs under your tail. You can like, no, that's a girl lobster. But you can, dude, you can do all the lobster things, man. But can you do human things? No. no, and it's the same thing. He said, unless you're born of the spirit, you can't do spiritual things. So he said, what's born of the flesh is flesh. That was born of the spirit is spirit. And Nicodemus is like, wait, 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 wait. We have developed this system where we are righteous in our own eyes and we have redefined everything. And religion is supposed to get us to heaven. And Jesus goes back to him, he says, don't marvel, don't be amazed that I said, you must be born, what? Again. Again. Do over. <laughs> In other words, everything you've done, Nicodemus, is worth nothing. It's got to be a do over. Hey, has anybody ever told you that everything you've already done in life is like, you know, not going to count? Anybody ever told you that you got to start over and you got to do it their way? I had a boss one time do that. Yeah, he came in and said, everything you guys know is worthless. <laughs> and he said, now it's got to be done my way. Well, man, how do we take that as humans? What gets in the way of that? What do you think about that, April? 
Yeah. Who the heck are you, pal? What do you mean? I let you be an equal. I called you rabbi. You know, wait a minute. Let's dicker. Let's, 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 let's just fight this out a little bit and let's talk because what makes you more superior than me in all of this? What makes your way more right than mine? Well, what makes God's way more right than yours? He's God. <laughs> it's his heaven. He gets to call the shots. And so, again, it's not that he created some cruel thing that, okay, now I want people in heaven, I want people in hell. So if they choose me, they go to heaven. If they don't, they go to hell. No, that's not the key. The key is, is that in this world, because of sin, we're getting sucked out to sea. We're getting sucked out to sea, and we need to be rescued from our sin and our sinful nature. We talked a few weeks ago in Hebrews how you were created to be a leader, a ruler, but you can't be a perfect ruler after the fall, after sin, because now every one of your decisions is flawed with what? With sin. How many of y'all, hey, Sophie, your, uh, your parents, are they perfect parents? No. Are you going to be a perfect? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to say yes, and then let me go to some other parents. Hey, uh, are your parents perfect parents? Oh, look, at she's sitting right between them. Are your parents perfect parents? Okay, they haven't learned yet. They haven't learned. Are your perfect parents perfect parents? Yeah, see, she learned. No, <laughs> but seriously, man, it's like we are flawed in everything we do, so we don't do it perfectly. And sin is in the way. That's why we get sucked out to sea by our sin. And our sin had to be paid for. God had to, had to, had to show us his love that he has for us, but he had to be a righteous God by being able to take care of sin. He couldn't just say, oh, never mind, I'll forget sin, because then he was not a righteous God. He had to be just and loving, and he had to come up with this perfect plan of him coming down to be the sacrifice for our sins to show us both righteousness and love. And so that's why he said, Nicodemus, don't marvel to you. I said, you got to be born again. Look at this. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and the, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, what he says, when the wind starts blowing, hey, there's no wind out there right now, is there? Who can tell me when the wind's coming? Who knows what time, how many, what seconds, what day the wind is coming? How many of y'all know the weatherman can't tell you that? <laughs> Especially in Florida. <laughs> they can't tell you because only God knows when the wind's coming. Can anybody tell you when the wind's going to stop? No, but... Who, can, who has ever seen the effects of the wind? And who knows when the wind is actually there? Yeah. So you see, that's what he's saying about the Spirit of God. He's like, man, in order for you to be born again, the Spirit of God's got to come into your life. You don't know when he's coming, and you don't know when he's leaving, but you know when he's there. And if you're here today and the Spirit of God's working in your heart saying, man, I think I need to be born again. I think I need to do, have a do-over. I think I need to surrender my life to Christ understand the only reason you have that desire is because God's giving you that desire. And you're like, well, I'll do it after I get home from vacation. I'll do it after I graduate. I'll do it after, after this. After You don't know that it's going to be there. All you know is it's there right now. And if you lose the desire because God takes it away, you'll never be able to do it without it because the desire is not in you. That's what he's saying. You don't know when it's coming, don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. Quickly, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? I have invested my whole life in this religious system. I got to deal with God. And Jesus is like, no, I'm God, and I'm telling you the deal. 
but we have a deal with God. How can this all be? How can we all be wrong? He said, that's why I came in the fullness of time to tell you that you're wrong and this is the right way. And so Jesus answered and said, man, you're a teacher in Israel and you don't know these things? He said, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak. He's talking about the disciples and, and his disciples and apostles. We speak that, and we know and testify what we have seen. We've seen God do this and you don't receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe them, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And again, he's trying to tell them, he's like, heavenly things have to be learned from a spiritual body. They have to be learned from a spiritual person. And you can't be spiritual if you've only been born in the flesh. How many of y'all are born in the flesh? How many of y'all got a birthday? Everybody got a birthday? <laughs> All right, okay, let's see. Some of you didn't answer. How many of y'all have a mom? You had a mom, something. Yeah, then you got a spiritual birthday, right? You were born, a physical birthday. You were born in the flesh, right? And so... But there has to be another birth. You have to do it again to be born spiritually. And so he goes on and he says, look, Nicodemus, I know what you guys have done. And, and by the way, they hadn't really heard from God in over 400 years. So they had kind of butchered even what the Bible had said by then. And he said, no one's ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that's the son of man who's in heaven. Who is that? That's Jesus, the guy telling you this. He said, nobody's gone. The only one who's going to have firsthand experience of this is someone who's been in heaven and is now here. Hey, guess who's the only one that meets those qualifications? Me. He said, so guys, you can argue religion all you want with me, but I've been in heaven and I'm here and I'm telling you how it's going to be done, how it is. You can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. You have to be sincerely right to be right. And he said, man, nobody knows but the person who's been there and back, and that's me. He said, all right, I'm going to try to give you an Old Testament example. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you in Monday Night Bible Study remember that story? You guys remember that story? Okay, here's what happened. Israel's on the end of their 40-year death march. All the ones that said God's not big enough to get us into the promised land, he decides they're all going to die, and, and, and it's going to take 40 years. They're wandering in the wilderness. And so at the end of this, they start complaining against God, and against Moses, you know? And all of a sudden, without warning, God sends a bunch of snakes. How many of y'all be pretty stoked about that? Any herpetologists in here? You're like, yeah. How many of y'all would be like, oh, no, you didn't? <laughs> How many of y'all are terrified of snakes? Anybody here? Yeah. And, and so he sends not just any snakes, but poisonous snakes and tons of snakes. And all of a sudden, without warning, the people are getting bit. Now, these are people that are going to die at the end of 40 years anyways. It's already destined for them because of their faith, lack of faith in believing what God was going to do. But they're dying. They're, nobody's digging dying at this point. And so they're like, Moses, help us. And, and God, Moses, so who did Moses go to? God. And God said, all right, Moses, I got a plan for you. And what was Moses, what was the plan? Ashley, remember the plan God gave Moses? What was it? Yeah, so I hire Ashley. Ashley's our, Ashley's our artist here, you know, that could do that kind of. And yeah, man, cut out little pieces out of magazines and cover it and make this brass serpent on a stick. Okay, and Moses is like, okay, these people are dying. They really need some anti-venom, God. Can I offer a suggestion to you, God? Hey, has anybody ever tried to offer God a suggestion? <laughs> As if God didn't know, right? 
You're like, uh, hey, um, build a statue of a snake and put it on a pole. And they're like, uh, Moses probably thinking, oh, God, here you go again. I, all right, you're going to get me in so much trouble with these people because they're looking for an anti-venom God. Can I suggest that again? God said, build a snake, put it on a pole. And he said, lift it up. And anyone who's been bitten, what did they have to do? Did they have to climb the pole three times upside back? What did they have to do, Laura? They had to look at it. That's all they had to do. And he said, if, you, if they look at that snake on a pole and believe that's sufficient to be an anti-venom, it will be an anti-venom. So when they looked at the snake on a pole after they had been bitten by these poisonous snakes and things are swelling up and they're feeling themselves go down, what happened to them? They were healed instantly. Dude. God is not logical because he's infinite and we are finite. God, man, he just wants us to trust him. They didn't have to line up for shots. He stuck a pole note and said, trust me that if you look at that, you'll be healed. And the ones that said, that's the stupidest thing in the world. We're going to go get some snakes and milk them and make our own anti-venom. And, and you line up and I'll hook you up with shots, man. You know, there are probably people doing that. But the ones that looked up at the pole, they were instantly what? Healed. He said, all right, so Nicodemus, you got that? How ridiculous that was? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be hung up on a cross. And anyone that will look at that cross and believe that what I'm doing on this cross and shedding all of my blood and taking on the sins of the world from noon to 3 o'clock, all the past, present, and, sin, and, and future sins of the world, and I take all those on me. He said, anybody believes that that's really what's happening, first of all, you get the ability to believe from God. If you don't have it from God, you can't believe it because it's ridiculous, right? He said, but if you can believe it and trust me, he said, it's the same way. That's how you get born again. That's how you get eternal, eternal life. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? And how long does eternal last for? Forever. Hey, is there anything, uh, by the way, after this, we got to eat this food. Anybody like... That's, let me know when you're hungry again, and I'll stop preaching, okay? But no, I'm just. <laughs> but, but listen, man, we got to eat some of this food, all right? And and how many of y'all? There's some perishable. What does it mean if it's perishable? Hey, you, what does it mean if it's perishable? Yeah, it means it's not gonna last forever. It ain't like a McDonald's hamburger that you leave in the sun for years, and then pick it up two years later, like McDonald's. It ain't like that stuff. Dude, it's real stuff. It's going to, you know, you leave it unrefrigerated for a couple hours. You better not eat it or you're going to have problems, right? He says, he said, if you believe that what he did on the cross is sufficient for your sins, you will not perish. It means you will not rot. It means you will not die spiritually. But instead, you're going to have a life that lasts forever with who? With him. So he's all right, Nicodemus. That's as good as I can do explaining it to you and your finite mind. Does God ever say that to you? Roger? Yeah. Roger, that's as good as I can explain to your finite mind. He says that to me all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to try. That's all I got. That's how you made me. But then he gives this verse. And I know, how many of y'all, when you see this verse, you think of the dude in the end zone with the rainbow hair and the sign? Remember that guy? John 3.16. How many think of Tim Tebow with it under his eyes? Man, how many of y'all got a pillow or a crochet or a... Something on your, car, on, your, on your wall that has John 3. How many of y'all know John 3.16? Yeah. 
Man, check this out. Uh, uh, there was a dude, Jonathan Edwards, old school preacher back in the day. For a whole year, he preached a different message on John 3.16. That was his text for a whole year. So, dude, I can keep going until y'all get hungry. No, I'm just messing with you. But we're not going that far, man. We're not going that far. Look, he says, for God, he said, look. As a serpent was lifted up on the crawl, on the on the pole, and all you had to do was look and believe, because God gave you the faith and the ability to believe. He said, "That's what's going to happen with me." He said, "Because God so what's this word? Love. Love. What's God's motivation in Christmas? What was His motivation in coming and being a baby? What was His motivation that held Him on the cross? It's love, because that's the only way righteousness." can be fulfilled, and sin can be paid for. The only other way is for you to die and go to hell and pay for sin yourself. It's just that simple. And it doesn't have to be if he loved you that much to make a way. How ticked is he going to be when you face him one day and say, you know what, I thought I had another way. He went through more trouble. He came and became the sacrifice himself. You think you're going to stand before him one day and say, yeah, man, I think I can do. You know what? I, I'm standing on my own merits. Man, you know what? I got my own way, God. You think you're going to be a lawyer enough to be able to dicker a case with him? Man, how can you look at him in the face? How can you going to look at Jesus after what he did for you and say, I have my own way? And I even gave you that. Remember that time in your life I gave you that desire and you blew it off because you're too busy being yourself? You were too busy. You didn't want to sacrifice yourself to me. Look, I, I sacrificed myself to you, and I'm God. So God, so what? Love. Who? The world. the world. That's how many of y'all are not in the world. I mean, you don't. You're not included in there. I know some of y'all are out there, bro. <laughs> I, I I know you guys. That's what I love so much about Driftwood is because all of you are out there. Karen, you didn't. You couldn't come up with some Pink Floyd Christmas pajamas to wear today. Yeah, well, all right, you wore them last week. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm just saying, man. Uh, how many of y'all at Driftwood here would say, I'm a little out there? <laughs> yeah. Gary, raise your hand. <laughs> All right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of us, man, we're in that world. It says, God so loved the world, he loved me, that he, what's the next word? Gave. Oh, dude. Man, I got my wallet right here. We're going on vacation next week. And, and, and I got my credit card in here. I don't know what. So my wife pays it, so I don't know if to, you know, she'll take care of it later. It's good. Garrett, I want to give you this wallet with my credit card and the cash and everything I have in here. If I want to give that to you, what would you have to do for it to be yours? Ask your wife. <laughs> and if she said, if she said, okay, that's, you're a smart man. Bro. But you're messing up my illustration. <laughs> if I were to say, Gary, I want you to have this, what would you simply have to do for it to be your Just take it. What if I said, Gary, there's X amount, of, this is our credit limit, and there's some cash in there, and all I need you to do is I need you just to clean my toenails out. Would, would that be a good deal? Would it be a gift? No. It would be a gift. It might be a good deal because you don't know what's in here. I don't know what's in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it wouldn't be a gift. A gift is something someone offers, and you simply have to do what for it to be yours? But Jack, what if I chased you for the next 20 years around trying to offer it to you and you never took it? Would it ever be yours? 
You see, that's what we're talking about right here, man. God so loved the world that he gave. But we keep trying to make some kind of religion where it's not attached to God. It's not attached. We kind of think some kind of thing where it's up to us. I want to stand on my own merits. It's a, I, want to, I want to be righteous in my own way. We think we can do it. That's what Nicodemus' problem was. Thought he could earn his own way. And that's why God had to do this because no one else could do what he did. And that's why he says, this is it. And it's an awesome thing because you're attached to God. So he says, man, God so the world that he gave. What did he give? His only begotten what? Man, little Keone. You love these folks at Driftwood, right? But what if God, I mean, what if I just said, no, not God. What, what, what if there was a chance? What if God even said, hey, I want you to go, and I want you to go get Keone to carry some driftwood and, and put it on the beach, and I want you to make a little altar, and I want you to tie Keone up then, put him on there, and then, and then what I want you to do is I, I want you to kill him and then burn him. And, and, you know, if you do that, there's a few people here that will believe that that's going to be sufficient to pay for their sins. But the majority of these people aren't even going to care. Would you do it? No. And you love God, right? That would be hard to do. But God loved you so much, that's exactly what he told Abraham to do. Because it was a picture of what he was going to do with his son. You don't think God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit love each other? They are perfect love, and they've had it before they ever created any of us. But it was the only way for us to be redeemed. And you think you're going to come to him with another way? He said, man, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, who's a whoever here? Anybody a whoever? All right. Yeah. Whoever believes in him should not, what's that next word? And we already know what that means, right? You're not going to spoil Okay, that means when you get buried, you know, your body may spoil, but your soul ain't to be if absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He said, you're not going to perish, but you're going to have everlasting life that lasts how long? Forever. And so, again, this word believe, it doesn't mean this right here. Uh, Zane, right now you're believing in that chair, aren't you? If the legs went out, if all of a sudden that chair turned into a jello mold, where would you be? In a jello mold, exactly. Because he's, he's not like, he's not believing in that chair kind of like this. In fact, he's got a little baby in that chair with him. He's believing it so much that his son's in there with him. He's putting all, everything, he's putting his family's life in that chair. You never looked at that. You got, how many of y'all, hey, did any of y'all check out your chair when you got here? How many of y'all just plopped right down? Yeah, dude. <laughs> We're going to do something next week. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> But seriously, we put our faith and trust in so many things today. When that light turns green, what are you going to do? You're going to go. You're trusting total idiots. How many of y'all would describe other drivers on, on the road as idiots? All right. How many of y'all have said that out loud? Okay, thank you. All right. Don't be looking at me all pious. All right. But I'm just saying, you're trusting that they're going to stop. You're trusting they're not going to go till you're by there. You're trusting in all. How many of y'all flipped the switch this morning and trusted the light was coming on? Turned on a spigot and counted water. Pushed the button and hoped it all went down. You know what I'm saying? We, we trust so many things. But the best thing, the only thing we've got to trust is Christ and what he did on the cross. 
So when it says whoever believes in him, that means to put your total faith and trust in him. Not this, but this. I love him so much and I have put my entire life into him that if he were to let me down, I'm going down hard because I got nothing else. That's what salvation means. Are you there? But the good news is he's not going to let you down. He's never going to leave you, never forsake you. We have those promises. The promises that I'm not going to perish. I don't care what I smell like. I'm not perishing. And I have eternal life. And I know that a number of you are going to have that with me. Again, look at verse 17. We're almost done. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. The whole world's getting sucked out to sea. And he's seeing you getting sucked out to sea. And, and he's saying, here, put this on. Put it on, Sophie. Come on, before it's too late. And he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be rescued. If you were getting sucked out to sea with no life as, would you be willing to put this on? And would you be grateful for it? Yes. Would you just take it off and say, oh, I don't need it? No. But when you see your true spiritual condition, man, you know you need it. Look at this last verse and we're done. He says, you're saying, no, you just said that. No, I said next to last verse. All right. He said, he who believes in him, puts his faith and trust in him, is not condemned. You put your faith and trust in him, you're not condemned. You are as close to hell as you're ever going to be. And that's good news. But he who doesn't believe is condemned already. The whole world's getting sucked out to sea. And it's because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The name is everything he stands for, everything he's done. So you got a choice, man. This is Christmas. 30 years ago, Christmas of 87, I got my first Bible. And he gave me the desire and ability to have that Bible. He gave me the desire and ability to believe it was my final authority. And as ridiculous as it looked with my college education, <laughs> I still said, you know, my first thoughts were when I was reading God's word, I'm like, God, I'm trusting you, but this ain't how we do it in the world. This ain't going to work. I'm trusting you that it is, but, but God, boy, this sure don't look all that good. And time after time after time, he proved to me that his word was the truth, and it worked. And my way was the way that didn't work. It worked right now, but it didn't work for the long run. As Noah said, faith can make you look real stupid sometimes until it rains. <laughs> man all I got to say is if you are born again you, you got that do over you've been born the right way to see eternal life man don't forget that this Christmas don't neglect to celebrate that as the best gift you have ever gotten don't forget to share that gift with others and, and again you're not jobs not to make them accept it you're because to someone whose spirit of God's not working in their life, it's foolishness. It was to me. Me and I can remember New York City, these people taking me walking down the road in New York City. I'm like, going, oh, come a little Florida cracker boy looking around, like all these buildings. And, and these young lifers came out from an abandoned, abandoned lot. Hey, we'd like to tell you about Jesus. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm Catholic. I got my religion. I'm good. I'm good. I remember running from because it was ridiculous what they were sharing me. Christmas 87. It made all the sense in the world. Salvation doesn't go from your head to your heart. You're never going to understand a 
infinite God with your finite mind. It goes from your heart to your head. He gives you enough faith to believe and you just say, all right, what I believe, I'm going for it. And as you implement it and practice it, it starts making a little more sense. But let me ask you a question. For those who are believers, does it ever make full sense? No. <laughs> no. In fact, it's an adventure, but it's a cool one to be on. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, man, but the Holy Spirit is giving you the desire to give this a shot, understand first it's coming from him, not you. You can't muster this up anytime you want. It's coming from him. And man... All I'm saying is I've never met anyone in the world who's given their life to Christ and wish they had. But I've met a million people who wish they had done it sooner, just like me. So it's your choice. Because here it is, man. Stophie, come here, man. We're getting sucked out to sea. And, and again, she's getting to, if, I, if that's me, do I have to worry about anything? If I'm supposed, go ahead, Sophie, take off. All right, watch it. Stop, there's a cord there. All right, go ahead, Sophie. Take another walk right there. Okay, go ahead, turn around. Turn around, Sophie. It's all good. All right, good. You can walk backwards. Trust me, I'm going to show you where to go. Okay, go ahead, go. Go back to your seat. Walk backwards to your seat. There you go. All right, wait, wait, wait. Don't sit down. Okay, go ahead, sit. Now, you know what I want you to do instead this time, Sophie? I don't want you to sit in that seat. I want you to sit in this one right here. Sit right there on your sister's lap. Squash your sister. Yes. Your sister. And there's going to be people who resist you, but just do it anyways. No. All I'm saying, guys, the difference is in this rope. Who's controlling it? Who's hanging on? And that's God. So, man, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for uh, making your word make sense to us. Uh, and, Father, I pray that for everyone that has been born again, um, we look at that as a badge of, of honor, not a badge of pride, because that's why Nicodemus didn't get it right here is because he had no part in it. Just like our first birth, there's nothing we do, man. In fact, some of us try to stay in a little longer, but <laughs> there's nothing we do to get out, man. It's just, it's not in our hands, and his second birth is the same way. It's all in yours. But Father, I pray that there's someone here today that you're speaking to, that you're trying to pull out of that spiritual birth canal right now, that, Father, they would just surrender. Yeah, there's a lot of things they have no idea how they're going to turn out. But, Father, I pray you'd give them a desire and ability to trust you and just go for it because that's how we receive eternal life. That's how... We kind of start this life back in the little tidal pool, the mangroves, and meander through the jungle trails, go out the boat channel, and get sucked out into the, into the inlet in a full raging tide and have total peace because we know you've got the other end of the rope. And we know that when it's time for us to be totally blown out of this inlet, that you're snatching us up to heaven where we will then live with you forever and ever. I pray you give everyone the desire and ability to believe that today and know that that's what they got for Christmas. That's what Christmas is about. And it's something only you can do. And I pray for these things again in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then well, before we leave today, we're going to stand and we're going to get our yeehaw on. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> Yeah.
represent does Sophie I need you to come here real quick you still love me is it all so good all right you know there's a lot of us that have put on this put this on but here hold that but we're out in raging sea called this dark world but we're not wearing it we're out here holding it up and we've shown that we have it but we're not depending on it we're treading water without it and I pray this Christmas you learn how to depend on that that's one but two Sophie put that on one more time I've been a little brutal with it and it looked like God dragged you around but that's not what God does the word paraclete the Holy Spirit means somebody walking alongside you and Jesus as the good shepherd sheep can't be driven they have to be led so here's what's really happened and he's like Natalie he's like come on with me come on I know I called her now. Sophie, come on. Here we go. We're going and we're doing this together. Come on. I've already been here. I'm in front of you and behind you. I'm all around you. So come on. I've got this handle. And so know that you're in the best hands you could ever be in. And y'all have a Merry Christmas.